The FM Evolution podcast is brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services. We'll ensure consistently great performance to help keep your business running smoothly. For more information, visit cgpconstruction.com. This is the FM Evolution podcast brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, bringing you trends, innovations, and advancement of the facility management universe. Welcome to the Evolution. Here's Sean Black. What's up, guys? It's Sean Black at FM Evolution. Welcome back to another show. And I'm excited, of course, because we're continuing our leadership series. It's Friday. You know what that means. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Jim Robinson. Hey, Jim, welcome to the show. In the house, right here. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. Ask the hard ones today. We we have some hard ones today. (laughs) Hard questions. Not for you, though. You know, uh, for those who don't know you, Jim, you guys, uh, let's see. You've been in business for 30, how many years? 35 years? Uh, Jesus and I were hanging out on the beach, <laughs> and he created some sandals. And it's after been that, a I created a business. Yes, right. He made sandals, so, I made a business. <laughs> Let's see. CEO, host, of course, of your own podcast. We've got, uh, you're an author, uh, speaker, coach, and you sit on the board of a nonprofit, which is amazing. It's a lot, man. It's pretty amazing. Um, I needed something to do on my Mondays. Well, that's, that's it. So, <laughs> yeah, I love to hear that, man. All right. So today we're going to go over some leadership uh, leadership uh, questions as we usually do to kind of cover what's going on in the world today. And and I know how you love headlines and what's going on out there. And, you know, by now everyone is kind of aware, uh, aware of the great resignation, right? We've heard this one a lot. Well, some uh, people this year. are, yeah. Some people believe yeah. that, but go ahead. I got some. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it says so. Roughly 33 million Americans have quit their jobs. That's what's reported. Um, for you, what's your perspective on this? Has it has it impacted our business or your business or other people's business that you coach with this phenomenon? Have you seen this out there? Is this real? So it's, there's definitely something going on. The numbers are probably a little bit uh, to be uh, judged. You can use your own opinion on what those numbers really mean. Mm-hmm. If you look at the hiring process right now in the world, the people that are quitting versus the people that are hiring, the hiring numbers are significantly higher than the quitters. So it's you need to take it all with a grain of salt. The, the media likes to hype things. Otherwise, they don't sell. And so it's very important to understand what's really behind those numbers uh, even this week, I was reading a report that the uh, the stats are that the hiring versus the uh, the quitting or changing careers is significantly higher than the numbers quitting. But they, you know, they're kind of capitalized on the quitter number. It's uh, I just it hasn't impacted my companies. Uh, we have not experienced the great resignation. People are certainly looking. They always think grass is greener on the other side, uh, but we've not seen that shift. People haven't left. You got to keep them engaged. They're not going to leave if they find some loyalty. You develop the loyalties; they don't go away. So we've not experienced that, and quite frankly, it's been to the to the opposite of that. We're, we've been hiring probably one to three per week, pretty consistently. Uh, I don't think that's going to change. I think it's going to ramp up. Quite frankly, I think we're going to continue to grow that number. So the great you can buy in anything if you believe it. You're going to receive it. If you don't believe it, let it go. Move on. I have a feeling you might say something like that. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I think you're right. There is definitely hype to it. I think there's been some shifts in culture, but like you said, 
you know, we're not experiencing that. We're, we're growing like crazy. We've been hiring people. And I think in some of your coaching sessions, you've probably seen that as well. But do you think there's a, a higher focus on culture for companies right now to make sure that people are, you know, growing and, and, and happy in their jobs? Yeah, you know, CEOs are scrambling. I, I have, uh, as you're aware of, I, I have a couple of different CEO groups I spend time with coaching and spending, you know, learning from them. And it's uh, it's kind of been unanimous. Nobody's had the great quit. They haven't had a bunch of quitters on their team. And it did come down to not not so much happiness as the core value side of things, but keeping people engaged and developing the loyalty. And that's a two-way highway. The company has to be loyal to their um, their teammates, right? We call them family members, but you have to develop a loyalty to them. They're not going to give you something you don't give to them first. That's not how it works. It's like you going to buy something at a car dealer. If you don't find loyalty when you first show up, you're probably not going to go back. Mm-hmm. They really have a very short window to do that. We create the loyalty by giving it. We care deeply about the people who work here, and so we're going to spend time doing that. If you have if you have a company that has the great quitters, I can probably show you a company that doesn't have a lot of time and effort spent on their employees. Uh, bigger companies, of course, struggle with this area, but the, the smaller companies, the 250 and down, I don't think we all have that same issue. I think loyalty is a critical thing. So treat people like they should be treated, and you'll develop loyalty. They're not leaving. They want to stay. They want to find a home. Yeah, I always love you. Always talk about you know treat people that you around you like your grandmother, you know, like your great grandmother, like you treat them with care. Yeah. Treat them with, you know, that's what I've always said. It was, you know, treat them like you, your great grandmother, no profanity, no, no absurdities, no ignorance, just go straight to kindness. And you know, when you talk to your great grandmother, your octaves change, use the same octaves, deliver, man. <laughs> I love that, man. So there is a quote that I want to read for you. I know you love, love these. Quote. I know you do. All right. It says, don't just prioritize what's on your schedule, but schedule your priorities. Right. I love this because we always talk about using a schedule and you're, you have a default calendar that you work with. And we, we always talk about, Hey, we all have the same 24 hours, man. You know? And so how do you keep from really kind of falling into the trap in your life of revolving around meetings for you? How do, how do I keep? In track with <laughs> meetings? So, yeah, like, don't let the meetings kind of run your life. You run the meetings, right? You're, you're prioritize, prioritize the time and, and how you spend it. That's, yeah. like, what's your best practices on that? How do you handle it? Uh, shoot people. Usually you just get them out of your office. <laughs> Throw them out. Tell them when they got to leave. It's, uh, no, listen, I can start a Monday morning meeting and I could end it at Friday, you know, Friday at 5 o'clock. Yeah, meetings can meet, meetings can run an inordinate amount of your time if you don't have and watch your clock. And it's important that if you say your meetings are adjourned at two o'clock, make sure it adjourns at two o'clock. I usually say in my calendar I have a five or ten minute, but I use it for connection time. Meetings usually open people if they're smaller meetings. They open people, and then it gives you an opportunity to connect. Here's where this loyalty thing comes in, by the way. If you're connecting to the people on the team after the meeting, because sometimes they're hard meetings, you're trying to resolve challenges, or maybe they're a kumbaya meeting, those are far, <laughs> few and far between, you're solving problems and you want to decompress a little bit. So I usually use, a, I'll say, guys, we got three minutes, boom, two o'clock shows up, we shut the meeting off. 
And then I usually sit and I chat about something or allow somebody else to chat. So it's just a very casual conversation. And I allocate five to 10 minutes most generally for that. And that's, that's my connection time. And uh, so it, it seems to be effective. I, I like doing that. Meetings will run you ragged if you don't do that. So prioritize your meeting, but stick to your calendar. If you, if you get a 30-minute meeting, don't let it go to 35. I think that is super effective. And, and having experienced that, I think it's great. You know, running those meetings and keep them on time is important for people. But we both know there are people out there that kind of run hair on fire. And uh, they tend to let the events of the day run their calendar for someone who is experiencing that and kind of letting all the things in their life run their day and their priorities are just out the window. What what kind of advice would you give them? Well, it depends on kind of what you're doing, you know, in your role. If you have an assistant, you know, count on your assistant, that counterpart will be amazing and help guide you. Um, you know, leaders tend to be kind of hair on fire-ish. We're problem solvers, and you, you can't solve problems if you're not part of it. And so some of that is is having a profound understanding of a hair on fire process, right? We all develop that, and we can solve it. The, the old psychology saying is you can't see in others what isn't in you. That means if you're going to be able to solve somebody prob- somebody's problem, you have to have it already in you. Maybe you've learned a discipline around that to solve that problem, but you have a profound understanding of the hair on fire concept as you phrased it. So you can, you can interject in that. And I was just having a meeting just before this one. And I just said, the key is to state things in fact. If you add ambiguity to anything, everything will be uncertain. Nobody will know. Certainty is critical. You got to tell it, you know, define it, which way it's going, where it's going and when. And if you add all those clarity um, and you're still chasing shiny objects. You got squirrel syndrome. Uh, you got to get a different leader. You got to get somebody else in the game here. So you may not be the perfect fit for where you're located, but self-discipline is critical. And you can do that. Like in, I have the top 10 business, you know, profound business to make you excel. And one of them is, is sacrificing playtime. And it's number eight on my list, but sacrificing playtime teaches us a discipline because playtime is so easy to just drop everything and go play or go hunt, or go fish, or go do whatever, go to dinner. You can do all those things, and they're so easy because it's in our character to just want to go play. So number eight on my list, sacrifice playtime. That means you're supposed to be loading the truck. Gear's waiting in the garage, you're ready to load, and you say, no, I can't go yet. I have to complete X. It's hard to do it the first time, the second time. By the third time you do that, it just becomes normal. Sometimes you have to sacrifice. There's a discipline behind that. Once you learn that, Watch what else happens. It becomes so easy to have discipline about everything else because sacrificing playtime is the hardest thing to do. So shiny object syndrome is playtime. You have to sacrifice that. That's really interesting. And it actually kind of leads into something I was going to ask you as well. And and I love that you're talking about discipline here because I think it's interesting to me, and this is just a perspective, that some of the generation that the younger generation now may go more on, I I didn't get it done because I just wasn't feeling it. Like, I I, I don't think it was, I don't think I was congruent. I don't feel like I was in alignment. And sometimes I feel like a boomer would be like, dude, boom, I'm done. (laughs) You got it done. So do you, for you, because we've been, you've been in business almost 40 years. Do you see a difference? And this is not to categorize, but just in generality, like you see a difference between like boomer generation and 
all the way to Generation Z as far as how they operate, how they kind of process things. And specifically on for you, like the discipline thing, is that something that is, is that a thing or am I, am I just seeing things? You, you're on some kind of a hallucinogenic. <laughs> but, uh, the, the understanding people's character, right? There is some generational changes in character. We've, we've evolved into something, you know, different than we were 20 and 30 years ago. But even me being in business, as long as I have, today I have to be very fluid and still disciplined, much like I had to be before, only it takes a significant more of that. Mm. Uh, so our tolerance, as we get older, our tolerance goes down, and so we scrutinize the youth, as you phrased it. They're no different than anyone else. And years ago, when the millennial term came out first, you know, it became like a, like a nasty slang word. If you said millennial, you know, somebody had to die or something. Yeah. You know, it was really brutal. The reality is, is they work just like you or I. There's no difference in that. They still have a character about them. You gotta, you gotta hone in on their giftedness, not on the, not on their talents or their or reluctance. Because you have it, I have it. We all have some kind of a degree of lug, reluctance. Hone in on the true giftedness. Their true genius. Spend time there. Watch they, they deliver. We got a lot of youthful people on our team, and uh, I. I don't ever challenge what they do. In fact, I like to talk to them because it keeps me younger and keeps me more current in how we're evolving. So for me, it's never a millennial. That's never been a negative for me. That's been a positive in, in our business. And uh, I like to spend time there. And yes, they all think differently, but so do I. So does everybody before us. So does my grandparents. They all thought different. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I had a feeling that might be the answer there. No, I agree with you. I think, you know, you have to focus on the individual and not as a group as a whole. That becomes the challenge. Um, I think intrinsically people's, like you said, generations have different kind of themes to them or different ideas the way they grew up. But again, it comes down to the individual person, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Society is evolving and we're all part of that evolution. And it's different today than it was 10 years ago. And it could be generational. We can blame or we can just embrace, embrace and learn. It's pretty easy. Love that. Okay, Jim. So one of the things I see a lot in uh, kind of trending in, in articles and magazines and things that are current, especially with the pandemic, is people's concern for their mental health. And in being a leader yourself, how do you kind of address having good mental health uh, for you and your team? And how do you kind of balance things out for them? Well, I think... Uh Talk of COVID and, you know, the pandemic itself has created PTSD and society as a whole. Mm -hmm. I think the first thing out of your mouth is somebody, you know, they get the sniffles like, oh, my gosh, you have COVID. And we're so tainted by what we've heard nonstop getting funneled into us. Yeah, we get it's real. We understand that's another sickness. With the midterms coming up, we may see this thing go away to where we don't even know it ever existed. We don't know what's going to happen this year, but it's going to be a very unique year. Mm-hmm. Mental health is critical. You're going to get back what you give 100%. Whether you give them you know, money, love, connection, whatever you give more of, you'll get back. And so if you have a, a mental instability, one, you need to put yourself in check for, for love of God. It's not, going to, it's not going to benefit anybody around you to have a negative like that. So you got to spend time on self-healing, and that is that meditation, prayer. Is it you know walking down the beach? What what is it for you? You got to find some peace somehow. 
Um, but getting away from this COVID thing and the PTSD that it's inflicted on all of us, we have to find a way through forward to that. As far as the balance thing, you know, for mental health, we say balance is really critical, understanding balance, but it's really about defined plan and following the plan. That's truly a balance. So you you really got to define it. For you guys in, in the teams around here, I make everybody write and submit a goal on Monday and then close it out on Fridays. How did you get to the end of that goal, whatever that plan was? And I always say, pick your number one priority, and it's odd what you get. Maybe not so odd as it is unique. Use unique as the word, not odd. But some some guys just say, you know, I want to get a set of tires on my truck. And others get more profound that they want to spend time with their families or they want to teach or educate somebody on the team with a different you know, expansion in their role, how profound those goals can be gives or lends itself to what's, you know, where they're at in their career and in their life, what their experience is. So I spend time in that space. I like to talk to folks, try to figure out what, what's, what is really the undertone. Uh, but balance is critical, but balance just means write the plan, define it, execute on it, and then close it somehow. And closing it means an acknowledgement, smell the rose, make sure you acknowledge what you've accomplished. But Clarity and the balance is critical, and that adds to the mental health part. Uh, somebody getting frustrated, feeling overwhelmed on the team, you got to go straight back to balance. You got to show them how to write things out, follow the plan. If you don't do that, I guarantee you, you're going to have people on the team straight overwhelmed. It doesn't matter how much we do. We all have 24 hours. The President of the United States only has 24 hours on their calendar, just like you or I. We can all accomplish the same thing, but it takes a plan. If we could just get 25 one more. That'd be great. I'm hoping to cut them back to 22. 22. Be fine because part-time, 11 hours a day. I'm, <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> you know, in your, in your, I will, okay. I will say that our company is unique in a, in, in a lot of different ways, but addressing and, and dealing with mental health here and balance, it's like, it's a conversation that we have all the time. Like we, we, we talk about it, you you manage on it and you deal with it. But in a lot of companies, do you think there is still kind of a stigma for leaders to address mental health in, the, in their company? Or is it is it kind of commonplace now? You know, Ramsey says, I'm responsible to you, not for you. And so I like that little catchphrase. And it's responsible to you means I'm going to do everything in my power to give you a job every day. I'm going to keep this the lights turned on in this office so you have a place to go. That's really being responsible to you. For you is your responsibility to make sure you're managing your health, managing you know whatever that looks like for you. And we do tend to lend support in those areas. I mean, we've we've offered things outside of the company for mental health where we felt there was a challenge, um, addictions and some other things over the years. But that's not really where we spend our time and space. People just need to be or feel supported by the company and have an understanding. Another thing Ramsey says is add human, mm -hmm. right? Just add human. If you don't know what the heck you're doing, just add human. That means, that means do it from the heart, right? That's really kind of what he's saying. Do it from the heart. Care about people. Spend time there for them, with them. Help them get through their tough. You've had tough times. I've had tough times. Somebody was there for us. Mm -hmm. Be there. Love that, man. Good advice. So... <laughs> this is I got I got a kind of a, a, a quote for you here. You're gonna like this because we talk about this stuff all the time. A wise man once said, 
<laughs> if you don't break your bad habits, your bad habits will break you. Mm. So there are a ton of different bad habits. You know, it could be procrastination. It could be being hmm. self-critical. Yeah, you cut it out over there. <laughs> being disorganized. It could be any of those things. You know, yeah. uh, what are some steps that people can take to kind of begin to overcome or replace those habits? I know you had an answer for this one. Huh. <laughs> you could probably what? quote my answer to that. No problem. But, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe we know 20, 21 repetitive times breaks a bad habit, right? So, and anytime you get rid of a habit, you have to fill it with something else. You can't just get rid of it and then say, okay, the world's a great place. It's, you still have 24 hours. And if it took one minute out of those 24 hours, you still have to fill that one minute with whatever that is. And 21 consecutive times changes the behavior, but it has to be consistent. So you can't say for the 21 years, I'm going to change my life once a year for one minute. I'm open really good. In 22 years, I'm going to be solid. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It has to be repetitive and it has to be very tight tight together. So if it's daily, it has to be daily. If it's weekly, that's great. Nothing beyond that. Otherwise, it'll never shift your behaviors. So it's 21 repetitive times changes your behavior. So yeah, whatever bad habits you have, you need to break them, but you have to fill it with another habit and make sure that habit is based on, you know, a drive, a goal set, something that you're focused on, been thinking about, dreaming about, put that in as as the replacement, but 21 times, it's like setting calendars, it's the, any of that stuff. You have to do it consistently or it'll never change. Yeah. And I know uh, from working with you, I know that you have done a tremendous amount of, you know, change and growth over, even since I've been here almost eight years, but over the last 40 years, I know for you, there probably has been some things that you've had to kind of deal with. Is there any bad habits that you had to kind of get rid of and prioritize and, and change things in your professional life? Uh, well, bad habits in business are being able to control everything because you're the one that's the only ones that knows how to do it right. Um, in leadership, that's a struggle because you don't get into leadership until you actually can delegate. And then that's excels you through leadership. So you really got to be able to let things go and you can't let them go unless you're clear. So some of my early weaknesses is lack of clarity and control. I wanted to make sure I was in every loop or every piece. Um, and when I figured that out, that was in my early 20s. I started a business at 19 years old. But figuring that out and being able to start delegating has what has accelerated and created scalability of the business. You have to master delegating. I certainly haven't mastered it. Uh, I'm, it's a growth thing that you do it the rest of your life, figuring it out. But that, that's a critical component. So Early life was uh, control mechanisms. I had to get rid of some of that stuff, and that was a learned discipline. I had to let it go without worrying and because uh, I did have some concern back then. I literally used to look at every single work order project task that came into wow. the company and literally had them in my memory bank to where I could talk about you know the countertop or the door or whatever on Friday. Out of thousands of tickets, I would re remember all of them. And, of course, that slowed our growth. And when I figured that out, I just started letting it go. So those were some behaviors I had to shift. But I had to be very, very methodical in that because you feel like you're giving away the farm. And so you got to let it go. Let it go. I love that. And I actually see that behavior in your coaching as well when you're, when you're working with people. 
is encouraging them to do the same, you know, because they're they're going through that same process. Like, I got it. Yeah. I'm going to grab onto everything. Yeah, I'm let it go. And, and my natural, my natural leadership is autonomous, right? I I want to give a, some guidance, but then I need to step back. I need to see that that person can one grasp it. They got what you know the understanding is, and they know the plan forward. But then I need to see initiative if we're going to stay on the team. I got to I got to see that very clearly because I am so autonomous in my leadership that I'm not there to micromanage and put my finger on things. I have other things to do. I need to make sure there's one understanding and then clarity and then go initiative. Love it, man. Holy macro. Okay. Well, I can't believe it. We just spent uh, all of our time up. We're done. <laughs> I'm out. I'm I think I feel like we could go on forever on this stuff, man. It's crazy. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap up and, and we'll have you back on again for another episode. We'll, there's lots to talk about. Uh, it, what's your, your one piece of advice this week? What would you say is on your mind you wanted to share with everyone? What, what would you recommend? Uh, one thing I always tell people on the regular, and I usually mention this pretty much every meeting, stop watching anything that's media hype, period. Today, more than ever, inflation rates and everything else, if you have a checkbook and an account somewhere, you're watching what that, what that looks like, you can figure out inflation. You can figure these things out. Don't let all of the other things in the world taint your belief. If you target and have set goals, set the goals, focus on them, you won't have to worry about all those things. They won't control you. Your goal setting will control you. Very, very important. So the takeaway is no media, set goals. Awesome. Great advice, man. Thank you, Jim Robinson, for being on the show, of course. I uh, can't wait to have you back on. We'll do it again on another Friday. Um, so thank you very much for being on. Thank you very much for having me. Always great seeing you, even though you're in the next room. <laughs> Shh, no one knows that, Jim. Oh, it's a secret. It's a secret. Trade secrets, sir. You can edit that out. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. For everyone who is listening on their favorite podcast platform, hey, hit subscribe, give us a like, uh, leave a comment. We'd love to hear that. Uh, we get some great feedback from people, and that kind of drives what's going on. Uh, and if we're, you know, we're providing value for you, give us a like so we know we're doing a good job. Hey, if you're, li if you're listening or watching on YouTube, hit the little bell for notifications so you know when you get some new videos coming out from Jim Robinson and uh and fm evolution and the team so we're excited to continue to provide that content and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything all right guys thank you so much jim thank you very much everyone have a wonderful day See ya.